Hi, everyone. You know I don't usually do these intros anymore, but we had a really awesome show today. The woman that came on, her name is Dana Aber. She's a performer, a producer, a collaborator, a creator. Um, She's done performance art in New York City. She's done it at the Edinburgh Fridge Festival, which I might have just mispronounced Edinburgh, Edinburgh, whatever. You'll forgive me, listeners. Um, Thailand. Um, She's been around the world on cruise ships, doing shows and creating her own productions. This show, please stick around for the whole journey. It's truly why I do these shows. And it's an example of having someone who's been affected by a psychological terrorist and how difficult it is to get to the meat of the subject at hand. I don't want to take away from the journey that we just went through doing this show um, by, you know, telling you too much about it. So, and maybe it won't be that powerful for you. It was for us, but I'd ask you to just listen and experience her sharing in the way that she could and me trying to dig and dig and dig and do what I do um, to, to get to the meat of things, which we did actually do. It's an example of how hard it is to talk about this stuff. So stick it out with Dana and I, and thank you so much for tuning in. I'm not the house of cards that falls down easily. I'm strong enough to handle what you throw me. Welcome to Mental Health News Radio. I'm your host, Kristen Sunanta Walker. Just what are we going to discuss? The intimacy that is mental health. Let's continue to make it as comfortable as discussing brain health or heart health. This show has been on the air for several years and we have amazing co-hosts. And then we created a network of podcasters on mentalhealthnewsradionetwork.com, a place where every possible facet of mental well-being can be talked about openly. My show, after several hundred interviews, the format is this. Intimate, deep, funny, touching, sometimes uncomfortable, but always vulnerable conversations with interesting people. The goal is to have you, our listening family, many of you who have become my good friends, feel as though you are listening in on private conversations. Thank you for tuning in and becoming part of this amazing journey with me and now with our network of podcasters. Just knowing this podcast might be helping any of you realize you are not alone on this journey called being a human being makes doing this podcast worth every second dana thank you so much for coming on the show oh thank you for having me kristen it's a real pleasure to be with you absolutely so our listeners don't know this but you know you and i have talked chatted a bit before as i do with most um, people that want to come on the show and um your energy is infectious and wonderful (laughs) thank you so much we'll be (laughs) (laughs) So will be serious, but it will also have uh, your great energy too. So um, I talk, you know, they know from the intro a little bit about what you do, but I purposely left out some of the things uh, like bigthundernyc.com, baggage at the door, the heal me Too festival. So there you've got a lot of stuff going on. Um, let's start with the first one baggage at the door. Tell our listeners a little bit about, you know, what that is and, and why you created it. Oh, thank you, Kristen. Well, 
Baggage at the Door is a solo show that I put together during my time healing from moderate to severe PTSD. And I am a pretty decent cover socially (laughs) as a theater person with a sparkly vibe. Um, I could really get away with not addressing some of the needs that had to be tended to for me to feel whole and well, particularly in terms of moving forward as a woman in the world. I had aims for a family. I wanted to have a serious relationship that led to commitment, um, you know, and gosh, it just simply wasn't going to be possible for me until I (laughs) took stock. (laughs) Now, Uh, did you, did you want those things um, because you felt like you fit in to have those things or were those really conscious, you know, I want to be in a relationship because where I'm coming from is there's so much pressure in society around, well, if you're not in a relationship, there's something wrong with you. Uh, That's what you should strive for. If you don't own a house, there's something wrong. You know, there's all these things, these boxes that we're supposed to check that makes us a whole person. Mm -hmm. And um, that can be really difficult for anybody, but especially those of us that, you know, have dealt with trauma and mental illness and things like that. Yes. I come from a a faith-based background, but that really didn't, it came from my my desire to have a committed relationship that led to hopeful marriage and hopeful children really came from an innate sense of desire Mm. as opposed to more of a social pressure. But I totally get that. (laughs) Although I do live in New York City and our, uh, you know, expectations are a little, mm, they're not necessarily always family oriented here. (laughs) A lot of my friends are married. I mean, you know, it's one of those, we just kind of delay everything, but but for me, I was very aware that if I didn't um, take some 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 serious time to sort out my troubles, that I was not even going to be available for that opportunity if it came to pass. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, I mean, that's very responsible of you <laughs> to do that because a lot of people just go into it without having that conscious thought around, I need to prepare myself to be in a healthy relationship. They're just on the treadmill of getting in a relationship without thinking about, well, maybe there's some stuff I need to do first. Although, to be completely (laughs) honest, I would have been blithely going forward had I not actually met the person that I would like to spend my life with. Mm. And and that became very clear early, you know, to both of us that there was something different. And that clicked everything into high gear because all of a sudden I wasn't just as you said, on the treadmill, just kind of doing the thing, all of a sudden it was, guess what? Look in the mirror. You are not ready for this person. And he's here. (laughs) And I said, okay, well, I guess I'll get into therapy. And, you know, a couple other things happened. My best girlfriend moved across the sea and my job was a little bit like, you know, in flux at the time. And I was, uh, you know, sliding backward into crisis land again. And I said, I can't do this again. I need to, I need to sort it out. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, that's interesting. That's interesting. So how, um, you know, is this person played a part in what you create when you do your performances? <laughs> uh, he's my now fiance, I should say, <laughs> which is a big deal <laughs> for us. <laughs> um, you know, the, this piece started through a series of essays that I sat down to write when after a particularly tense time. We've been together about three years. 
And I don't know, I'd say about a year and a half, almost two years in, right before our second anniversary, um, I had been doing the work, as my therapist says, and I was doing very well. Uh, I'm a good student anyway, but I was really finding the benefits to retraining my brain away from trauma and panic response and into calm, rational thought, you know, the melding between emotional and analytical. And I was doing pretty well. And what that did was create a new vibe in our household so that he felt like maybe less than or he wasn't on par. All of a sudden, the scales tipped the other way. And I might have pushed him in my um, innocence in the situation to kind of like, you know, maybe he should step up or I don't know quite what I said. And he ended up deciding that a smarter call for him was to leave the relationship. Mm. Oh, I was not ready for that either. Um, and I somehow managed to suggest that instead of having a f solid break, because it was clear that like, he didn't exactly want to go, but he didn't know the choices that were available. And it was complicated, you know, as many things in life are. And I suggested that maybe he just take like mm, a man vacation, you know, <laughs> a solo journey away <laughs> from this stress with a little time to himself to consider what he wanted. And thank the lucky stars, he took me up on it and went away for two weeks. And I was bereft, just totally aware that even though I was doing what I thought was good work for myself, that I was not making a space for him to do his work and had also somehow accidentally self-destructed a thing that had brought me great happiness and safety. <sighs> but when the man came back and no one was uh, like thinking that was going to happen. Not even my therapist. We were all very aware that like, she probably tanked this one. Um, he came back and was, you know, ready to take a look in the mirror for himself and work it out together, create more safety in our home for healing and growth. And I said, you know, babe, um, while you were gone, I started this piece and it's about us. And I think I kind of need to keep working on it. And I hope that's okay with you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> He's wonderful. He is absolutely at my back as my rock and my support network. He inspires me to move forward. He wants me to develop more things. He was very patient through the artistic process of, for me, kind of gnashing my teeth while trying to write my thoughts down into essay form. So I got to say, like, this show would not exist. My process would not be in existence if he was not um, able to create safe space for me to do it. Nice. Do you think that you would be able to do something like this um, on your on your own also? Yeah, I bet. I mean, but I I I have the luxury of a happy ending. <laughs> Although when I started this, I surely yeah. did not think that was real. Um, so I absolutely think I could have figured it out on my own. I I really I'm very aware that it was it was a lucky break um, to get the chance to practice healing on the person I wanted to keep. Right. Gotcha. Well, what, you know, let's tell our listeners a little bit more about, you know, why it is that you have wanted to create these things and do these kinds of shows and talk about pretty serious, you know, subjects. I mean, what you're talking about is not, you know, how to whittle, um, you know, uh, wood carvings. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's true. Um, well, gosh, lots of us in the world have negative stories and um, I could hide mine pretty well, but 
I had a series of unfortunate events occur in consecutive Januaries, a couple of years in a row. And it became Mm -hmm. a scary thing for me even to just wake up in the morning in the month of January. Um, Happy February 1st, by the way, in case that's important. For me, it's a huge deal that I got through it. Uh, So um, I was uh, doing a gig as a professional performer abroad in Thailand. And I was with uh, within a relationship with a different person. Um, And while I was in Thailand, I contracted dengue fever, Mm. which is um, they call it breakbone fever because of the pain that, that the body endures. You go through all kinds of fun things, toxic shock, your internal organs threatening to shut down. It's not a pleasant thing. I, I explain it like viral leukemia. So, you know, your white blood cells are obliterated and you have no platelets. So fear of infection and bleeding out is very high. Oh, and the pain. <laughs> and right. really, by the grace of God alone, I mean, the doctors pretty much asked me at the hospital, do you pray? Because you should. I went, okay. Wow. So and you're in a foreign country. And in a foreign country, country, and, a foreign country and a 12 hour time difference to my family back in Ohio. Wow. So that was pretty awful. And I also sustained um, uh, an assault at the hands of my then partner mm. when I was quite ill while I was sleeping. Uh, it was a really bad time. And I managed to get out of there uh, and get back to, you know, the safety of my parents' house in Ohio and, you know, patch myself up and, uh, you know, I was never one to really be kept down. And also I was in need of some serious cash after that incident. So got back to work with my sparkly smile, got back into the the boards, as we say, and performing and drew in some money and tried to put my life back together. And then the following January (laughs) in New York City, I slipped in a subway platform on a chilly January day where there was just enough moisture maybe melted snow. I don't quite remember if it was sleeting rain. There was some reason why the platforms were wet in the subway terminal in my neighborhood at 145th Street uptown. And I slid and and f- fell into the path of an oncoming train. Wow. <laughs> so there's a near-death experience number two. I have very clear memories of that incident and how the New Yorkers around me in this neighborhood where I've lived for 10 years screamed, saw that I was okay, and then asked me if I wanted to take that train because I was holding everybody up, you know. So like, right. let's go, Diva, let's get back on, <laughs> get back going. Right. <laughs> New Yorkers are a resilient bunch. So I did, I, you know, withdrew my arm from, that was dangling in between the rails and the edge of the subway and pulled up my purse and somebody dragged me up to my feet and pushed me onto the subway car and bing bong, the doors closed and off we went. But That was pretty scary. And then the following January, I was yet again on a contract away from home in the Caribbean on a cruise ship. And I was splashing around in the sea, knee length, you know, uh, knee depth water and accidentally bothered the sleeping or resting area of a poisonous fish, an unseen critter that stabbed me in my foot with its poisonous spine. And I within the next 40 minutes, like fell into a, you know, kind of hysterical coma and it was out for like 15 hours. (laughs) Wow. So when you're, when you say a series of unfortunate events, like you are totally not kidding. These are just random 
just not connect. You know, a lot of a lot of listeners here, different people come on and they're like, well, you know, I had this abuse that we can track a pattern of why certain things happen based on abuse. And yours is like seriously a series of unfortunate. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Wow. And, uh, and it, it turned into um, the only way that I knew how to move forward with my somewhat forced sparkly personality was to draw attention to the fact that I was um, dodging death left and right. Uh, I made the joke I was very hard to kill and I would wear um, very prominent rhinestone jewelry every day of the month of January to kind of draw attention to myself, to the universe, come and get me, something about, you know, like an evil eye kind of emblem, you know, if you if you attract attention, then you're deflecting attention somehow. Hmm. And uh, it became part of my identity for several years. My friends would send me rhinestones from wherever they were traveling or if they would see something in a shop when they were out of town. And I have quite a nice collection now of very sparkly rhinestone jewelry. I wear a pin <laughs> on my parka. I wear very big earrings. Um, and then... I went on a date with the man who is my now fiance and I was wearing rhinestone jewelry and mentioned it on our first date and he and I hit it off quite quickly and he was like, you're so lovely. You're so wonderful. I don't get it. What's wrong with you (laughs) on the first (laughs) date? (laughs) And I smiled four hours into our first date. I should mention it wasn't the first 20 minutes. We definitely had a rapport quite quickly. I said, well, you know what? I bring a lot of baggage. And he said, oh, okay. I went, why? What's wrong with you? (laughs) And he nodded. Fair question. He went, well, you know, sometimes I move too quickly. Oh, but for a girl who wants a committed relationship and is concerned that the clock is ticking, I was like, this is great. Let's do this. This is awesome. (laughs) But, But, you know, to be all of a sudden presented after all of my deflecting that everything was fine and I'm going to make it, nothing can touch me. I was very much pulled into account by this calm, steady man who said, yes, I have chosen you by the second date. He was like, I already told my friends, I don't want to date anybody, but you, I don't want to pursue anyone, but you, I said, Oh, come on, buddy. That's too fast. But yeah, he was dead serious. And here we are. (laughs) How, and how long has it been? three years. Okay. Okay. The show got created quite quickly. So he left, he left out last fall and came back by Halloween. So it was quick. It was a two, two week break. I was very productive because I didn't have too much else to do other than just be sorry for myself and try to figure out how to do it differently the next time. And I have a great therapist. I got to give so much credit to the careful work that she's been able to talk me through, but now I know. And then when he came back, you know, I think, gosh, we went, I'd started working with collaborators over the fall and into the winter and into the spring and by the summer and then early fall, I'd done four shows of it, which was kind of quick, kind of burst forth the second that everything was safe again. Well, give our listeners an idea of, you know, what is it that you're doing in your show? My Baggage at the Door solo show tries to showcase what a PTSD experience 
feels like to me, but not just me. Um, I call us, uh, you know, brightly colored broken birds. Um, those of us who can really cover up so well, we can almost fool everyone. And then one more thing happens that undoes us and we become different versions of the thing that other people get to see on the street, other people get to see in our jobs, in our home life. My reaction to being presented with this opportunity to really be honest about my growth and healing just completely blew me up. So in my show, I not only address through song and video projection the PTSD experience that I went through, but I also showcase some of the ugly sides that not everybody gets to see from me, a brightly colored broken bird. I, uh, you know, I've got some ugly characteristics. When I fight, I am not necessarily the most pleasant. <laughs> mm -hmm. I can kick and scream and push back really hard. I'm pretty astute in an argument. I can undo all all rational thought on the other side of the conversation and triumph. And of course, it's all just bluffing to, to shut down the conversation. So the show is meant to explore that moment when I could no longer hide from the fact that if I wanted, if falling in love, if blowing up that normal that I had set into motion for myself was actually a trigger for me to process everything all over again and do all of the work harder and better and solid, then I was really in trouble. And the show itself is trying to be as charming and careful with the watcher, with the listener, because it's not my goal to make anybody go through what I went through. And I, you know, some theater is good for that. You know, when you really have to you feel everything and everything really rings you dry. I, um, as a trauma survivor, did not want to do that to people. So I give as much of my trauma stuff as I'm able, and then I keep it as vague as possible so that they are not bombarded with my stuff and they can just kind of participate, or perhaps they can find parallels between their own processing, something that might have happened to them or a loved one, and I'm happy to say it's been pretty successful. I've been able to um, share my story of healing through the process of learning how to love my partner. Again, I'm aware this was a lucky break for me. <laughs> I needed one, but I got lucky. Um, and then sing my work and tell my story through these new creations and give folks the understanding that if I can make it, they can make it. Since we have so many people that are, you know, survivors of trauma, um, struggling with mental illness, uh, you know, trying to stay on that path, but a lot of people have really suffered, especially um, when it comes to psychological abuse that listen to my show. Um, do you have things that you cover in, you know, baggage at the door that talk about those types of experiences, mental illness, you know, uh, being involved with someone who's really toxic for you, that kind of thing? Oh, boy. Yes, you caught me. I was doing a very good job of covering, even from you. <laughs> um, the man that I went to Thailand with was a proper narcissist. 
with violent mm-hmm. tendencies and a raging alcoholic and um, drug abuser. And of course he was incredibly charismatic, charming. And then upon meeting me, absolutely committed to keeping me around. The gaslighting that I'd experienced in the relationship before that one set me up perfectly to doubt on my intuition and really have no grip on any tools to get away from such a charismatic whirlwind of energy. And I could look past Mm -hmm. all of his flaws and, and he really made me feel special that I was the only one that could really reach him. I mean, just very textbook explanation of, right. uh, of narcissism. Um, he, that narcissist, you know, I got two back to back, but uh, the gaslighting narcissist. Yeah, we usually do. <laughs> man, oh man. I can spot him now as they walk toward me, and I feel very, very lucky there. But um, it was really not a good time in my life to be away from home and away from my support network. So when when this narcissist in Thailand, who was a, a circus performer, so here we got all kinds, you know, improv guys are funny and slapsticky and sometimes a little brooding. And clowns mm-hmm. are often very sad uh, when they're home. And musical theater guys have can have very fragile egos on occasion. And circus performers can have some uh, high energetic response to like partying or social engagement. And a lot of times they have some really well-developed quick muscle response. That's a dangerous combination to have in a, in a lover who's unstable and um, abusing alcohol. So right. <laughs> my Thailand experience, in addition to the uh, illnesses that I survived, paired up with this monster um he really made me feel very um weak and unable to escape and i'm a tough bird but i i just didn't have the skills to get out of there right it was well, that's why they're good at what they do yeah I mean. <laughs> yes so he is the guy that narcissist in thailand is the one that broke my ribs and beat me up and um very well placed the abuse so that I could still perform on stage. <laughs> very, mm. very, very good at being a abuser and narcissist like that. Um, did you, were you going to therapy before this person or did you go to therapy after this person? I went to therapy afterward. Okay. And was I, the therapist aware of things like narcissistic abuse? Were they well versed in that kind of you know, psychology in a relationship. Okay, good. I am so lucky that I found her, my therapist very quickly right away um, within my healthcare network. And, you know, it's hard in the city, um, especially as an artist and a lot of freelancers, it can be difficult to find mental health care, um, let alone actual health coverage. I just, I mean, really needed, you know, a a guardian angel to come down and help. And thank goodness they did. Yes, so we've been able to sort through the sense of self-blame that I experienced. It must be my fault. Surely I could have been smart enough to understand what was happening to me. How could I get on a plane with that monster? I had to sort through mm, some negative things that people I thought were um, on my team, you know, on my side, had said to me. 
well, I figured you knew what you were doing because you always know everything. I thought, oh, really? Is that how I come across? Mm -hmm. But <laughs> that's not even the point. You know, the, I can think whatever I want, but why was that said to me as a, as a victim, you know? Right. Yeah, well, there's a lot of victim blaming that goes on with that kind of abuse as well, because people don't, they just, a lot of people really don't understand psychological abuse at that level. Um, and I think what I'm gathering is, um, you know, you're good at using your voice. Uh, you're obviously, you know how to act out a scene. Um, how comfortable are you at letting all of that go? That's, you know, that's behavior and just totally being in the moment of, I was in terror. Um, this was awful. Uh, I wasn't treated fairly, you know, that, that, you know, you know where I'm going with that? Yes. Um, I, uh, let's see, I guess that'd be a, a mixed bag answer. I'm way better at being direct about my thoughts and feelings now, especially okay therapeutic process. But even <laughs> I even had the wherewithal after the assault to take pictures of everything, mm -hmm. the, you know, the next day as the damage developed on my skin. And I sent letters to people saying this happened to me. So I had some sense of self-preservation somehow, you know, some part Good. of me was able to reach out for help um, even then. Um, but it, Th that that thing that you're asking about this performative experience to cover everything up uh, functioned intermittently in my personal life pretty much until I got into this relationship with a man who was so different from what I was used to, you know, and uh, that's that's a that was a tough thing to unlearn, you know, right. the Dana show. Right. So, so giggly, so sparkly. So fun to chat with. She could cover anything, and I could talk through anybody's problems except for my own. Right. Yeah, and that makes you a nice, tasty meal for narcissistic people because they can <laughs> because that's what they live and breathe every single day of their life. And but they're actually um, much better at it than than you could ever be because oh, yeah. you actually have empathy. So yeah, they, I couldn't they even smell think it a mile like that. away. Yeah. Yes. So uh, trying to find a way to tell this story that is still laced with some amount of I should have known better or the other side of me, which is you shouldn't say that to people because you don't want to trip that wire in them. If they're going through something, they shouldn't th hear you say, oh, I should have known better because that'll something to them. Right. The only way that I could figure how to tell my story of. Uh, trauma to stability. I won't say wellness because it is, for me, a daily process. I have to work yeah. really hard at it. And it's a <laughs> Especially in January. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. The only way that I figured I could tell my story in this moment where I had self-destructed a positive relationship, when I had this opportunity by myself to really think about how do you want to do this, was to reach out for help. And, you know, that is innately within me someplace. I am able to ask even when I'm very broken. So I asked in my community of musical theater performers and creators, um, careful conversations with them about, would you like to approach the subject matter with me? Are you able to talk about mm -hmm. my personal experience? You know, very like consent driven, 
And if it Good. ever became too much, and I had lots of artists say, you know, I just, it's just hitting too close for me, or I can't access this part of me, I, I can't do it. And I was like, okay. Right. But the folks who stuck around who were available for the work to talk about these qualities of my personal trauma, they were able to help me design the show's song base, which then became the structure for the piece itself. But I swear, okay. if I couldn't reach out for creativity um, through other and with other people in a collaborative process, I don't know if I could have done this thing. Because right. it has been such a lonely process up until that point. I just couldn't bear the idea of having to do it all alone all over again. This person, you know, that you met, was that the first person that really cracked you open um, in terms of narcissistic relationships that you might have had in the past that led you to being bedazzled by this person? Or was this really the first one that you had ever had that, you know, hits you like a train and, and you're like, what is this? Because some people, you know, come from two different places when it comes to these kind of relationships. Yes. Uh, my therapist and I have been able to track some patterns that I was exposed to at certain parts of my um, youth and adolescence into my young mm -hmm. adulthood. And maybe a little bit just how I'm hardwired. And there are many folks like us, you know, who have broad empathy and um, right. strong, positive vibe and can really, you know, I wear the rhinestones for a reason. If the, the more sparkle you attract, perhaps I can spot the danger more quickly. <laughs> that was my thought. Mm -hmm. But uh, okay. yeah, uh, I don't know. Very I, tended to, I, I tended to go towards, I want to be less sparkly. I don't want to be as shiny as I, as I, um, you know, I, like I immediately want to gain weight. I immediately want to mm -hmm. just don't find me attractive. Don't, don't think my company is successful. Don't do it. That's, that's the place that, um, that I tend to go, but you know, everybody yeah. has their own, has their own way that they need to heal. I'm not saying that that's the way that was just my way of, of handling it. Now I'm like, okay, um, I'm totally fine with this. What I'm doing is, um, you know, sticking it through and it's being successful. And I don't really worry about, um, you know, I guess what I'm trying to say is there's that space you get to in your healing where you aren't concerned that there's a sociopath around every corner that's going to be able to fool you. <laughs> um, you. You know that they're, you know, they're there, but you sort of get to a place where you're, you've done so much self-healing that they're not really attracted to you. That's kind of the thing. I mean, they're always going to come in and out of everybody's life, no matter who you are, because mm -hmm. they exist. But you're, you do have to get to a place where you're so self-fulfilled that you're just not that attractive to them because you're not as easy of a meal. Yes. Yes. That is so, so well stated. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes, you said about the sociopath hiding behind every corner. Oh, I really felt so vulnerable for such yeah. a long time. And I did I did opt for the opposite option. Um, I, I have bright red hair and it was hard. It's always been hard for me to kind of blend in. Um, 
Right. right. <laughs> just, 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 you know, just casually, I, 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 I pop, I, I pick up the light and, uh, that's why you're in theater. Right? Pros so I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> it's pros and cons as, as you know, we're finding out it is hard to hide even when you want to, I couldn't go into hibernation to put myself back together again. I, I didn't, I also had a, uh, a very strong resistance to letting my abuser win. And mm, it was a real right. defiant act for me to keep working, to put myself out there. I, I mean, it. it might not have been so safe, I gotta say, to expose myself to the same thing, you know. It was like accidental yep. exposure therapy, but I yep. maybe still do it. <sighs> I totally get it. Look, I created a podcast and then <laughs> talked about it all the time at ad nauseum about these kind of people and those are still the most popular shows and sometimes I'm like I really don't even want to talk about this anymore because it's been like six years but <sighs> I do it because um, I do it now for other people to hear this is what happened I don't need to do it anymore because I've done it so much and listeners I hope you're laughing because you know because you you've <laughs> heard me I've done it so much that it's it's not therapy for me anymore to talk about this subject it's more it really somewhere along this year the 2018 it stopped needing to be about me processing something and started to really just be about okay I'm putting out information out there for other people um but you it takes you as long as it takes you and you're right. Putting yourself out there, whether it be a podcast or a book or um, doing a theater production, that is that takes some serious. Um, not that I want to attribute things to men's balls, but you know what I'm saying. It takes some serious <laughs> cojones. Everybody will know what I mean by that. <laughs> yeah. By the way, Kristen, congratulations. If if 2018 was a turning point in your mm -hmm. processing, that's that's really exciting. I'm really glad to know you at this time. That's really great. That took a long time. It took a. It takes a long time to heal from this kind of stuff, and it's interesting to wind your way back and go. Why was this one though? Why was this one the one that made me finally see um, all these other things that had happened previously? Why did this one? It, it isn't even that that person. You know, this person that you know you went to Thailand with. It's not the. Mm -hmm. He's so special and magical that he made you have this experience because they're not they're not important people. They're so <laughs> weak. They really are weak for someone that had so much power over you at the time. Once you get far enough away from it, you're like, this is the weakest person I have ever known in my entire life. And yet they had a lot of power over you at a certain time. Yes. But, um you know, it's, it's, I find that piece interesting. Every, the one for each person that is the one that cracks you open enough to where you're like, oh boy, I've got lots of healing to do. And like what that's about, like, is it your age? It has nothing to do with that person. It's your, is it your age? Is it, you know, what other things are there? Cause it's not because they're so powerful. <laughs> right. That's so true. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, you'd ask me about patterns that led me to mm -hmm. the narcissist yeah. that finally broke me. Yeah, it's it's been an interesting process. Even recently, yesterday, with my therapist talking through, how do you feel now? She asked me about the girl who got in the plane to Thailand. And I was okay talking about that. How did I feel about her? I no longer 
blame her for being so stupid and I no longer hate her for not acknowledging right away that there was a sense when I landed in the airport and I stepped off the plane into this new place, there was a very loud voice in my head that said, you are not supposed to be here. Get out. I didn't listen. So I I have a lot of processing to address with the self-blame for the girl who got on the plane and thinking through how how were how did life set her up for that option has been really helpful to me but it right. sucks to go back and think about all that stuff <laughs> it really it is does. hard oh man it hurts it so does. much for such a it's long the time excavation of your oh my god it's like you you just keep scraping and you're like i think there's no much there's no more scraping I could do. I've reached the bottom of everything that I could. I've scraped and scraped and then you're like, Oh, there's another level. Okay. Yep. Oh <laughs> boy. Difficult. More Very time. Painful. People don't understand why you keep talking about it or why you need to did it. You know, there's a lot of misunderstanding about it. That's why we have this great um, you know, network of, of people here because we get it we totally mm-hmm. get it but yeah yeah it's it's such a journey um it's such a journey so on the one hand you get to the place where you're thankful that you met that person because of the beautiful journey that you went on but you're not ever going to walk up to them and go thanks no <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah my therapist asked me yesterday if you could see any of those exes as we call them what would you, if you mm-hmm. saw them on the street, what would you say? Oh my gosh, what a, what a serious question. I was so not ready for that one because <laughs> my first instinct, if I were to see that abusive narcissist who took me away from my support network, took me to a foreign country where I had um, little to no I rights as a woman, yep. yeah, you know, and then took me, took advantage of my generous pocket while we were trying to get established over there for this job, Mm -hmm. I would run screaming to the hills. I mean, the protocol is get yourself to a safe corner store, call the police, get fine. If you're in a mall, find the nearest police officer. And she said, Oh my goodness, you still have a fear response to this man. I went, Oh yeah, no, he, I never want to see my abuser again. (laughs) No, thank you. (laughs) I've walked enough uh, along that path. I don't need to do it anymore. Yeah. Why would we want to? Mm. I mean, we deal with it, but mm -hmm. it's like, I I don't think that that's some sort of strength that you can, you know, be around them. Maybe that's for someone else, but no, I don't. um, And I think her question was to me, did I have anything I needed to say? Was there anything unsaid mm -hmm. that I wanted to express in this, this, you know, imaginary moment of confrontation? And, yeah. and I had the chance to acknowledge for myself, no, my process about this person is over. And I think that <laughs> might be why I'm able to do this show. Because it's like you were yeah. saying, it's no longer about my healing. You know, it's an opportunity for me to share with other people so they can understand this happened to me. Right. This happened. You are not alone. Whatever you're yeah. hiding. I hid for a long time my stuff. Mm. This, the broken parts of me that were, well, I said I'm a redhead. So that were shiny, so angry. Yes, for, exactly. Yeah, for, for a predator, those broken pieces are what they're looking for and counting on. Absolutely. Mm. 
chewed me up and spit me out. And I was able to just by my own constitution, um, cover that up for a long time publicly. And I don't, yeah. I don't feel the need to do that anymore. And you know, goodness, a friend of mine came to see the theater piece, uh, and said, Oh, it's when art is therapy. And I smiled and I went, well, maybe for you, for my healing is done. It does, it does not, it's not therapeutic for me to do the baggage at the door show. It is now, um, you know, an opportunity for me to share my healing process with others so that it maybe can inspire or create a sense of safety for someone else. Right. Right. Totally get it. Yeah. Mm. Let's talk about the Heal Me Too Festival. Oh, this is so exciting. Um, there is a theater community that is putting on this festival in the West Village of New York City. It's about three, over covering over three weeks. They've set up about 30, over 30 performances and workshops and panel podcast opportunities um, for a bunch of trauma victims to get the chance to mm -hmm. share their story, connect with one another, offer healing and support um, in an effort to practice healthy healing from trauma. Wow. It is a I'm remarkable looking, I'm effort. looking at some of the, sh the show names. Um, any Anybody can go to skintheplay.com forward slash heal me too, and you'll see a calendar there. And I love some, I see devil in a box. Um, yes. These are some <laughs> of the names of the performances, identifying the predator in the era of me too. Um, Pussy grabber, growing wild, uh, self-worth variety show. I mean, these are some of the names of these things that are, these are performance and performances and experiences so it looks extremely um varied which is nice it's really nice and brave yes and they're doing it in honor of the sexual aware uh, sexual assault awareness month and i um my assault did not tend to into the sexual arena and it did mm -hmm. not lend its stamp to my experience as a woman with my within my own sexuality in its aftermath but the experience of being processed and spit out by a narcissist and being broken, the work that's within the Baggage at the Door solo show absolutely falls under the umbrella of the Heal Me Too festivals. Yeah, absolutely. Operation. You know, and I'm really excited because the woman who's organizing it found me as we were like looking to move the show forward and had the chance to listen to some of the original songs within my show. And we, we we're going to take them away from the show's context. And they stand alone because of the fact that they were built on essay. They're not like narrated, you know, all the way through one show. It's not like you're hearing a song from a musical that doesn't make sense unless you know who Carrie is in, you know, Carousel or whatever. But right. these pieces will get to function as their own story within the context of the variety show that I am joining, which is self-worth. And I get three dates to, to perform for the Heal Me Too Festival, um, the second week of April. I'm just so excited to have the chance to be in the room with other artistic creators and facilitators who are able to transmute their trauma into art that will either be therapeutic for them or therapeutic for others or, or teaching both. moments. Yeah. yeah. Exposing yeah. these 
quiet, dark traumas to other folk who don't know. Right. And I'm, it's right. going to be a wonderful event. And the, 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 one of the originators of the speak, uh, oh my goodness, Tanya Pinkins is going to have her piece going to be clo the closing night. I think she's going to be doing, but there are a couple of other opportunities to see Tanya do her show. She has a fantastic resume on and off Broadway and all over, you know, the performing arena. She is going to be offering dialogue. Tanya Pinkett is going to be talking at the Heal Me Too Festival. And it's going to be just a remarkable event of all kinds of people coming together to share in solidarity their trauma and their work toward healing. It's just going to be the coolest. Right. Yeah, Heal Me Too fest.com is the site that everyone can go to to check this out um, is any of this going to be uh, recorded um, and put up on youtube or anything like that yes and i think that they're planning on announcing when those things are available through their twitter handle and through facebook so you can keep track of there's a special guest going to be announced and some other hidden treasures that i'm not even privy to yet as as more people become attracted to this community of people offering help and healing. Um, there are going to be uh, things, I think the podcasting things were going to be routed through their, their own individual networks. But if you go to the website itself or through the Twitter handle or the Facebook page, you can be updated as those performances are presented. I know that they're going to video mine because it's always important to me that my work um, has a life after its initial presentation right. in public. Um, I, I, in the theater, sometimes we think that the magic is in the moment. I totally agree with that. But I also think that it's very important when, when people who are on the other side, maybe someone in Alaska hasn't had the chance to see art from trauma survivors be so right. effective in, pro in helping them process their own work. And gosh, isn't the internet great for that? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean, yes, there are, you know, there's this wonderful medium that is live performance. But I, yeah, I like the fact, too, that you can keep it out there because not everybody can get to New York to see this. So that's why I asked. I was like, well, I can't get there then. I'm going to be actually speaking somewhere else. Uh, but I'd like to be a part of this in the way that I can by looking at it remotely. Yes, I, I will personally make sure that you know what's going on in case that comes of interest um, on your website and, and whatnot as, you, as you're traveling around. Yeah, it, it, listeners, you can go to the very bottom of the um, healmetoofest.com page and you'll see the Twitter and Instagram and Facebook and you can just follow that there. But I'd, I'd encourage you to, to do that because there's something really interesting about the journeys that we've been on and I'm, you know, speaking directly to our listeners, um, where you hear about it on a podcast. Um, it's represented in movies and sometimes really sensationalized. Um, that's why we keep these podcasts so as real and authentic as we possibly can. And then there's seeing it acted out in a play and the nuance of that or through theater. It's just another way for healing to come through, um, which is really powerful. Yes, actually, one of my collaborators grew up in the theater and said that theater is a wonderful teaching tool. 
because the longer you are present just to watch, even just to watch, not even to do or to create, but just to watch over time, the message seeps in, <laughs> as they said, yeah. the message seeps in. And it's one of the coolest things about the baggage at the door show to have so many hands on deck of creators and collaborators who joined me in the telling of the story because they had no idea when they joined me what the message was going to sound like. So their message seeped through the music and seeps through the floorboards of, you know, you are not, Dana, I am not alone. They're there for me. Dana is there for the audience. This kind of like sense of community building is inherent in the structure right. for the show that I am putting forth into the universe because theater is a great way to access processing and learning without it being extra traumatic. Or at least that's what I'm trying to right. do. <laughs> right. And also, you know, that you're showing up there to something like this. If you need to totally sob, no one's going to get upset with you or think you're weird. <laughs> oh, gosh, no. no <laughs> someone sure. watching this. <laughs> <laughs> it's, been, mm. um, it's been important to me to make sure that there are moments of raw reality of how is how is the artist feeling on stage while also making sure that there's safety to the watcher and most good theater will do that on purpose but uh the baggage of the door show definitely adds in a wry sense of dana humor <laughs> one of my coping mm -hmm. skills was to play angry birds so that i didn't hear well let's start with that angry birds the video game this has become mm -hmm. an intrinsic part of my identity because I love those bad piggies, those green piggies that look so goofy behind. That's the why you have wall. one of them on your website. I was like, yeah. oh, an angry bird what is that? <laughs> well, you know, the, the, they are goofy and funny and offer a sense of levity in these tense moments, perhaps in my within my show. But they also represent my Stockholm syndrome to my abusers. And it also right. represents the uh, hidden traumas that were hiding behind closed doors or the depression quietly bobbing along in the corner of my eye. Things of this nature that are layered into the cutesy quality of these cartoon um, bad guys. <laughs> so it's a, right. It's one of those things that as a creator of uh trauma theater, I guess. I th there's there's a whole new arena for those of us who are processing to to see yep. works like this on stage. Um, you know, I, I'm hoping that it's going to be a show that will travel and be available to women's groups around the country and festivals overseas. I'm looking at a couple of theaters outside of the New York City area. And when we're preparing to uh, pack up my bags and take it on the road. Fantastic. Well, Dana Aber, tell our listeners where they can find out more about you. <laughs> I have a website. DanaAber.com is my performer website with a bunch of videos of new work and um, things from stages all over the world. And then the Baggage at the Door show is being hosted within my production company's website, which is Big Thunder NYC. Big Thunder, a name that was gifted to me by a playwright I really admire upon meeting me as a young woman. He said, oh, you have a lot of Big Thunder within you. <laughs> and I didn't know what that meant, but he said, I think you do. 
Yes, I do. I have lots to say and I can stamp my feet and create a loud sound. So Big Thunder NYC, my production company, hosts the Baggage at the Door page where you can check out more of the Angry Birds isms and some of the songs are featured there on SoundCloud. Pretty soon we'll be having the Heal Me Too festival videos of the Baggage at the Door songs hosted on the YouTube. And um, that will be another way to reach out to me directly is, is, is through the Big Thunder website. It all comes direct to me. Well, fantastic. Then my last question for you yeah. is um, how did you find out about our show or, you know, was it the network or was it my show? I don't remember how we got connected. Yeah, is that right? Um, one of my collaborators who wrote uh, the song um, called Healing Begins, She, her name is Martha E. Miller, and she is a psychotherapist and healer here in New York City and works with all kinds of this, uh, hypnosis and um, tapping energy techniques for trauma therapy, mindfulness mm -hmm. and yoga. And, and she's like the grooviest. And we were kind of talking about different ways that baggage at the door could connect to audiences outside of my immediate New York City circle. And she said, right. have you heard um, this woman, Kristen, speaking on the um, mental health news radio network? And I said, oh, gosh, and Martha, but you know everything. Let me let me follow what you say to do. So <laughs> she's she's a pretty cool cat. And the, I, I found you through her. She said she was a listener and really liked so many of the of the messages that you'd sent through the different episodes. And then I listened to and I was enamored. And now here we are. Oh, well, thank you. And definitely. Well, I almost just put myself down. Not going to do that. <laughs> Good catch. <laughs> Immediately go into discounting a compliment, um, which I just got an email. I'm going to give a shout out to Dr. Christina Hallett. Um, she does uh, a series on my show and we just turned it into its own podcast that's launching this month. And um, she just sent me an email today and she just said, something about, you know, you're wonderful. It's so great to work with you. I'm so glad you're part of my life. Whatever it was, it was something <laughs> like that. And, um, and I, and that was it. That was all she sent. Just a note of gratitude. I, I do oh. that. Yeah, I do that to other people, but I don't receive that. I haven't received that well in the past, but um, so I was, I love it that that came in today because I was like, I must be in a better place for receiving because um, that showed up and it's nice. It's nice to get those messages. Boy, absolutely. But please tell your friend that, um, recommended us. Thank you. Martha, That's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. She's really cool. And I'm, I'm very, I feel really, really lucky that uh, this show was able to be developed with people with insight and sensitivity like Martha and everyone that's listed yeah. within the program notes. Yeah, I feel really lucky there. And I'm so lucky to be connected to you now and the network. This has just really been <laughs> no, such a pleasure. Thank you. thank you. I'm so glad you came on and um, good luck. Break thank a leg. You. I think we're supposed to still say that, right? Yes, <laughs> more avoiding of good things, but <laughs> we, that is right, the exactly. <laughs> Maybe we should change that, that saying, don't break a leg. Just be fabulous. Be fabulous. But, uh, <laughs> well, I encourage idea, any you. of your listeners to, if they get to see the Heal Me Too Festival, if anyone is passing through, to seek me out and say hi, because I, I just, yeah. you know, your network is so good at building community, and we shouldn't be shy to meet in person. 
Oh, absolutely. My gosh. I think sometimes I surprise people when they'll send a very personal email and, you know, they don't know me personally. So they're sending this very personal email into the void and I answer just as personally back. (laughs) And so I've had some people, you know, in Australia, New Zealand or wherever, it doesn't matter. It can be in the United States too, say it really caught me off guard that you were so personal in your response back because I just, and I and I always, you know, I was like, well, why? I mean, you sent me something really personal, but um, I get that you sort of see somebody performing or doing a podcast or whatever, and mm-hmm. that's you don't think that it's okay to actually connect with that person, yeah, for whatever reason. So I love that you're saying that. So yes, listeners, please, if you do get to go see this um, in person. Look for the woman with curly, wild red hair. <laughs> Say hi to Dana. For sure. <laughs> with for <laughs> it's okay to touch each other and to um to give a hug and, and acknowledge. Um you don't have to think, Oh, they're too busy, I don't want to bother them. Da, da, da. Not in this kind of a community. No, it's no, and particularly with my with my open consent, please come up and say hi. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. This is fantastic. Gosh, Krista, thank you. I've really had a great time sharing. (laughs) And of course, listeners, thank you for keeping, you know, tuned in for all these years. Absolutely appreciate it. And um, we'll catch you on the next show. I know, I know, no one likes commercials, but seriously, folks, without the help from these organizations, we could not stay on the air. Please give a shout out to zencharts.com. If you're a mental health or addiction treatment center, you'll want to use their EHR. It's gorgeous. And they're just good people. And also mygenetics, M-Y-G-E-N-E-T-X.com, because knowing your genetic code empowers your mental health treatment. And lastly, copenotes.com. We love getting positive messages right to our phones every day from Johnny Crowder. He's the lead singer of Prison, a heavy metal band sharing their music about suicide prevention, addiction recovery, and mental health. See, that was painless. Support them as they support us. Back to the show. But never without good intentions I heat up and act on my emotions Thanks so much for listening to Mental Health News Radio. Our podcast can be found on iTunes, Stitcher, and hundreds of other podcast apps. Or you can visit our website at mentalhealthnewsradio.com. If you have a question or would like to be a guest, become a podcaster on our network, or join the amazing organizations that help keep us on the air, please email us at info at mhnrnetwork.com. Get ready for that special goodbye from our resident therapy dog, Miles, and a special thanks to Emily Sohn for letting us use her incredible song, Cordial, for our podcast music. Listen to the full song on SoundCloud at emily.sonne. Don't be surprised when I don't hate on you. After all we promised, we'd be cordial. Sometimes in you, I can fight it. Good boy.